Well, I, I wanted to do a talk on Mother's Day, but you know, it's one of these things where, okay, if I'm going to talk about moms, there's going to be a few of you that'll be targeted, and then there's the rest of us, you know, that'll have to be here. And one of the guys told me, whatever you do, don't bash the husbands. I was like, okay, I, I won't do that. The video kind of did that, you know. The father section, it's much smaller. Uh, and then I recognized, too, that there are, you know, women here who aren't moms. And so trying to find uh, something that could target moms and be beneficial and acknowledge them as well as be meaningful to the rest of us kind of was my task. And we'll see how I did. Uh, one of the things that we notice throughout Scripture is that God has put into our lives these relationships that are not only beneficial to us in living, but they help us understand Him more clearly. When the Scripture says that we were made in His image, there's a lot that comes with that as we start to understand more of who God is, as it's revealed in Scripture, we start understanding the capacities that we represent God or have that image within our own lives. Now, there are certain things we don't have. We don't have the big O's, the omnipotent or the omnipresent. Those are the ones we usually want, right? I'd like to have all power. But... The ones we do get to exemplify, the ones that do get to show within our lives, have more to do with the characteristics of God. God is love, and so when we show love, we are actually showing one of the attributes of who God is. And I've said this before, that out of all of creation, the beautiful things that you see and scenery and the majestic landscape and skyline at sunsets, all these things that show us just a glimpse of God's majesty pale in comparison to you. Nothing can show God more clearly than you and I who were created in his image because we might not be as beautiful as a sunset, some of you are saying, speak for yourself. We might not be as humble as a sunset, but what we are able to show is more accurately the characteristics of who God is. And it's a terrifying thing to think that we are more like God than maybe we realize or are willing to own. Because with that comes the responsibility of living a life and character that shows who he is. And so the scripture gives us all these different relational aspects that I think help us connect those dots of who God is and what he is like in ways that we can understand. Throughout scripture it says, you know, your heavenly father. And so we have this idea of God as a father, and it's not that God is a man. There are qualities that we see 
or should see in a father that we can also see in God. Where he actually gives us his name, where he provides for us all these things. In fact, as you start to understand these relationships, you get more insight into who God is himself. It wasn't until I became a father myself that I could truly appreciate the understanding and relationship between myself and God as a father. Once I became a father, I was aware of this love I had for my children, the desire I wanted to see their lives flourish. And now all of a sudden I have this insight of what it means when we call him our heavenly father. And so God has created us and these relationships to better understand him as well as to benefit from them. I mean, you can't underestimate the, the value of a good father. For those of us who haven't had a dad, we recognize the loss in our lives because of that absence. And the same thing is true with the mother. Now, most of the time when we think of moms, we don't think of God like we might do a heavenly father, but there are actually places in scripture where there is that maternal aspect that is best displayed through a mom's relationship, where God actually loves us in a way that is best seen in that maternal aspect. And and you understand the scriptures were written in a very patriarchal society where it was the man. But there is definitely a matriarchal expression of God as well that I hope we can understand and glean some things from as well. And so we're going to look at a few scriptures as we go through to try and point out some of these things First one is Psalm 17:8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57:1. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And Jesus brings this thought to a culmination in Matthew 23, verse 37, where he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent, sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. And so here is Jesus giving this expression of, I wanted to gather you. I wanted to protect you. I wanted to hide you in the shadow of my wings. I wanted to keep you from disaster, but you were not willing. My mom came up to me after... I announced, you know, share some mother's stories and I would share mine later. She says, is this something I should know about? Am I going to be embarrassed? And no, she's not. Of all the stories, you know, thinking in my head of all the things that happened, I mean, I I was raised primarily by a, a single mom. I had a few stepfathers along the way. None of them are worth noting. But my mom was consistent, raising me by herself. And the moment that I remember that came to my mind as I was putting these things together was when I was 
probably, oh, maybe eight years old, I'm guessing. And I used to get earaches quite a bit. And it was before they had those tubes that you could put in your ear. And so we just had to deal with it. Tough it up. But I remember just having this intense earache. And every time I had moved, the surging pain would go through. And it didn't help that I liked to swim a lot. And so I got water's ear, or swimmer's ear. That's what they call it, water's ear. Swimmer's ear. Swimmer's ear. That's the technical term. Yeah. Water's ear. Yeah. Sam Scott EMD. I would get swimmer's ear and my whole ear would just be throbbing in pain. And, and I can remember laying on the couch and just having my head on my mom's chest and just being in pain. And I can remember her just stroking me softly. And I was a, such a baby. I was like, ah, 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 you know, every, I was just egging for the attention. But what I remember is whenever I did have that time of pain, my mom would be there to comfort me. That what she represented at that time was comfort. Someone who I could go to and get sympathy. And I think that happens more often with moms than with dads. I know that when my boys will want someone to care and just show concern, they don't call me. They call mom. But when it's, hey, I need to get out of this fix, that's when they call me. It's not fair, really. I love you too. I want some of the gooey stuff, you know. But mom, they know if they call her, she's going to lavish them with concern, with care. That all she has, all they have to do is say, hey, mom, this situation happened to me and she's like oh are you okay hon are you do you need anything you know do you want what can i do i'll fly there you know right now and bake you a cake kind of a thing you know and i'm just like excuse me excuse me <laughs> let's talk about this what, what's going on but they just know mom is going to pour out this love on them do you recognize that our god wants to cover you like a hen covers her chicks in, his wing, in her wings. That he wants to embrace you. That he wants to love you just as a mother does the child. And that bond between a mom and a child is so unique, it's so special, I feel awkward talking about it as a man. But I can stand back and I can see it. And it really does complement the relationship that we have with our children. Because I'll find that when I am wanting to just put the hammer down and bring judgment or justice, that this voice comes in, and it's almost like she stands in my way and don't you dare touch my child, you know, kind of a thing. She hasn't said that because I haven't... I'm trying to remember now. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> She'll stand in the way and she said, no, we, I'm going to protect. She just has this instinct. She'll lay her life down for her children. And that's exactly what God has done through the person of Jesus Christ. And so... Many of us in our relational 
aspect of understanding God. See God as a heavenly father, but depending on what that relationship of yours was like, it might be skewed or it might just be partial of the truth of all that he is. Because these illustrations of that of a mother, I think, encompass a little bit more and help us to understand a little bit more clearly how God sees and what things he does. Another passage of scripture is, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And so the Lord again takes this position of one of a mother that I will not forget. I mean, there is, it's just not fair what takes place between a mom and her children compared to the dad and the children. She starts, she gets a head start. I'm not complaining because for those nine months, I'm glad that she's there and that I'm not. But she starts to interact with this baby. She is feeding this child. Her ankles are swelling. She is exhausted. Her belly is growing. And she is feeling them move within her. And so there's this relational aspect that starts to take place that we don't understand, a biological connection that, guys, we just don't get. And I'm okay with that. Really, I am. I, ladies, you do a great job having those babies. I'll go in there and say push and breathe, and I've done my job. You know, I've got the easy job. But what that also does is connect her to these babies in such an intimate way where her body actually produces milk to feed and nourish the child, where there's this connection that takes place that is divine. God has designed it. And the connection that takes place is powerful and it is strong. And so this illustration is given of a mom with a child at her breast. How can you forget? I've carried you. I've nourished you. God says, I won't forget. And even that of protection. I thought this passage was funny because I've seen some of you moms in action when it comes to protecting your children. And it's a little terrifying. Really, it is. I think if we had an army of you together and it was your boys out there in the military, you know, protecting them, we could end the war in about a day. And this passage in Hosea is fun. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. I just think that picture is so perfect. <laughs> you know, don't you dare. I, I've seen the snakes come out of your head like Medusa when someone's messing with your kid. I, I've seen the rage. You don't care about the law. You are the law. You are the law. You are the judge. You are the jury. You mess with my kid and I will sentence you to death here and now and fulfill that sentence if you do not back off. And this protection, again, that takes place is something that is deep. You all know this story of Solomon when he first became king and he didn't ask 
for riches. And he didn't ask for power, but he asked God, I ask for wisdom so that I can lead this, your people. And God said, because you didn't ask for the money and you didn't ask for the power, I'm going to give you the bonus. I'm going to give you those as well as wisdom. And ever since that passage of scripture, everyone asks for wisdom, hoping to get money and power. But God said, I'm going to give you wisdom. And then there is that story where these two moms come in before him and they have a baby. And the one mom says, While we were sleeping, she laid over on her child and killed the child. It was an accident, but in the middle of the night, she took her dead baby and placed it where my live baby was and took my live baby and took it as hers. And the lady said, no, that's not true. Her baby died and now she wants to have my baby instead. And Solomon is there trying to to bring this judgment that is going, how do I find out whose baby it is? And so Solomon says, get a sword, cut the baby in half. Ah! What, what are you thinking? And all of a sudden, the one woman says, no, she can have the baby. The other woman says, yeah, that's my baby. I don't care. Go ahead, cut them in half. And Solomon says, no, that's the mom. Because love will sacrifice and you see the real mom's love was so deep for that child that she will sacrifice having that baby to see that baby live and that's what moms do always where envy envy doesn't care and envy just wants judgment and so here the real mom is willing to sacrifice so that her baby can live. And you see that take place daily with moms. You know, people have always joked that I never sleep. You know, Sam, he always posts some comment at four in the morning, you know, on Twitter. What are you doing up at four in the morning? I don't know. Thinking of comments, you know. (laughs) Takes a lot of work to think of those comments. But I... I can tell you that the one who doesn't sleep, or I should say the one who doesn't rest, is Kareem. While I was putting my thoughts together for last night, you know, finally got late and I started not seeing clearly, started not, my thoughts were just turning into a song, you know, and I, okay, that's not going to work. I got to, I got to go to sleep. I I went to sleep. Kareem stayed up. Why? Because it's Mother's Day today and we're having family over and so she's cleaning the house. Not only is she cleaning the house, she's in the backyard gardening. Like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting the plants and stuff ready. What are you... She's lifting blocks and building a block wall. No, she's not. <laughs> the one who is tireless is Kareem. When we've gone camping, those few godforsaken times when the kids were little, I wouldn't mind if we had a trailer home. I wouldn't mind now that the kids are all grown and can take care of themselves. But when we were a younger family, she wouldn't stop. She was the first one up to get things ready. She was getting the, the food ready for the kids. 
She was feeding us. She was the last one to bed. She's the one who needs the gift cards for Starbucks. She's tireless in her service. Why? Because she loves and she sacrifices. Do you realize what a beautiful picture that is of our God? Who loves and sacrifices. And it might be a little awkward for you to think of our Heavenly Father as being the mom who you could go and hug, but that love is born from God. That love is created by God. That is an image that we need to understand from God. You know, as we get into the New Testament, I think it's an amazing thing how all the women of the New Testament just have this great interaction with Jesus. They're, I mean, all of them except for in Acts where Sapphira, you know, I think, you know, she was the one who lied and died. But otherwise, the interaction with Jesus. <laughs> Just a little plus there for you guys. You lie, you die. But all those who interacted with Jesus, there's always such a good relationship with them. None of the women were trying to kill Jesus. None of the women were trying to test Jesus. You have the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, and she's interacting with Jesus, asking these questions. She goes back and brings the whole town. you got to see this man who told me everything I've ever done. And she brings revival into her town because of her interaction with Jesus. We have the sinful woman who comes before Jesus. And there in Luke chapter 7, she anoints his feet with oil. And the the Pharisee says if Jesus knew what sinful woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch him. But there she is anointing him. And Jesus gives that illustration. Since I've come in here, Simon, you haven't given me anything. You haven't anointed my feet. You haven't washed my feet. This woman hasn't ceased to wash my feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. And he gives the story about the one who has been forgiven much, loves much. And this woman loves much because she's been forgiven much. Mary herself, Martha's sister, breaks the alabaster perfume, also anoints Jesus. Takes that which was a gift to her, probably her dowry for a wedding, and offers it to the Lord. The women were the first ones there at the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And Jesus appears for the first time as he's resurrected to the women. So women have this relational aspect that's connected and it's important to see and recognize that there is something there that we need to learn from. And one more passage that I want to touch on, another mom, is in Matthew chapter 15, if you'll turn with me there. Here's a Canaanite woman. Now Jesus has just come from having a dialogue with his disciples about the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. That they want to look good on the outside, but the inside is messed up. That 
they aren't what they seem. And they're using their position or their heritage to establish this righteousness just isn't right. And here in verse 21 of Matthew 15, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer her word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away. She keeps crying out to us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So that's his dialogue with her. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. There are so many things I love about this story. At first, it strikes us as being so harsh. This woman comes and she's crying out, Jesus, help, my daughter is possessed. And he says nothing. And you think, that's cold, Jesus. Why would you say nothing? And then we see the reason is really for the disciples' sake. They said, Jesus, tell her to go. She keeps crying. She's bugging us. They said it just like that. She's bugging us, man. Make her go. And then Jesus said to her, I'm only sent for the lost sheep of Israel. You're not part of the nation. What does the mom do? She said, oh, okay, no. She doesn't stop. Even though she is told, no, I, I'm not here to do that, she comes in and then humbles herself for her daughter's sake. And cries out to him more. And as she cries out to him, help me, she said. Jesus says, it's not right to take the bread that's supposed to be for the children and give it to the dogs. You see, in my mind, Jesus, that wasn't one of your best moments. That wasn't the, the nice, loving Jesus. You should have, you could have spun that a little differently. But he is being intentional here for the disciples' sake, for our sake. They thought that their heritage gave them the right. He is doing this to see how are they going to step into this moment. And so he just tells her, he just puts her down. I'm not supposed to give bread to dogs. And there's no nice way of putting this. I, I've read different commentaries that say, well, it's like the little puppies, not the main ravaging. It doesn't matter. You don't call a woman a dog. It just doesn't go well. You don't say this to her in this condition, but he does. And what does she do? What does this mom do? Does she say, oh, forget it then? She says, it is. 
the dogs will eat the crumbs. I will take anything you give me for my child. And Jesus can't contain himself. And he says, woman, what amazing faith. That you would not stop, but you would pursue and believe that I could help you, even though everyone was pushing you away and telling you to move. It didn't stop your belief. And I know that there are times where Corrine will come back and tell me about some of the answered prayers as they go to, it's not called Moms in Touch anymore. What's it called? Moms in Prayer. Ever wonder why there's not a dad's in prayer? Because they won't go. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> Sandra, I want to come up and finish this. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to. Because moms pray. Because they go. Because they ask. Because they keep on asking. Because when the door shuts, they knock harder. When it comes for the love of their child, there is nothing that will stop them. And they will believe until they can believe no more. And they will have faith and trust until they breathe no more. And you see, this picture of faith is supposed to inspire us. This, this mom in Scripture, which you've got to understand, this is an amazing thing that the New Testament, actually all of Scripture, gives women an incredible voice at that time and an incredible voice still. That this is such a beautiful picture for us to be able to learn from what this mom did. Not just for you moms, but for all of us. And there are times where, yeah, moms can be a little soft. But there are a lot of times where us dads need to be a little softer. There are times where, yeah, the mom might be a little bit too generous. But I wish I was more generous. Times where moms are too forgiving. Can you be too forgiving? Or maybe that's a beautiful picture of God and you and me. Maybe that's a little glimpse, clearer glimpse, of how God sees you and me. A little insight into his love for us. And so for this Mother's Day, I, I want to applaud you moms. I want to thank you for your un ending love and support for us, your children, and for our children. I want to thank you for the example you are to us and how you do demonstrate in this maternal quality an attribute of God that is foreign to us many times. Again, I'm not saying it's always perfect, I'm not giving you moms the blanket. I'm not trying to puff you up too much. But you know there's something there that is sweet. And we recognize it, we are grateful for it, and we see the origin of it from our Heavenly Father. Let's pray.
Lord, I do thank you for the blessing of a mom who loves and cares. I thank you for the example you've given us in our lives as well as in Scripture of these moms who are tireless in caring for their children. And sometimes they might meddle to a place where it causes problems, Lord, but your love is a motive that is seen very clearly in a mom. And I thank you that we are able to take a time today, recognize our moms and celebrate this day and what you've given us in the gift of a mom. The biology that's connected them to us children, Lord, the instinct and intuition that they have, the things that you've put within their heart, the way they care. Lord, gives us glimpses of you, your love for us. And we thank you for that. And I thank you for them. I pray, Lord, you'd bless all the moms here this day. Might they feel appreciated. May all the unnoticed things that they've done in the past be noticed in how we love them and celebrate them today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.